Hello, good evening and welcome to the Premier League show brought to you by Sofa Sports Media. As ever, I am your host, Harry Simu, and this show is sponsored by loserpool.com. Uh, my two guests this evening, my two regular panellists, uh, the dynamic duo, it is Dan DeLuca and Simon Alavi. Dan, first of all, how are you, mate? Yeah, good, thanks. Good, thanks. How are you? Good, not too bad. Nice to see your face this week as well. It, it has been missed, I must say. And it's nice that you haven't got that horrible Tottenham Hotspur uh, thing in the background that you normally have. Move, move of house. Yeah, so it hasn't made it hasn't made its way back onto the wall yet. But Good. I'll, no. I'll I'll do it when we when we sign another player. So by twenty twenty four, you might see it again. <laughs> long long may it stay that way. Also joining me, Simon Alavi. Uh, yeah. Not not sure what to say about you, to be honest. How you doing, mate? You can still see my face from last week. Yeah, all good. Yeah. All your good. your face is uh, surprisingly close to the uh, orange background that we've got on the screen as well. Uh, right, yeah. Is, uh, it's it's yeah. that sun, obviously. Yeah, I'll put it away, man. You're disgusting. Put it away. Put it away. <laughs> Those of you listening on the audio, this clown has picked up his Tottenham sign. Absolutely disgusting. Filth. Right, guys. Premier League season is around the corner. I want to put his bloody sign away. There we go. Right. The Premier League season is around the corner. Uh, it kick, all kicks on Friday night. Let's have a look at the opening weekend's fixtures. We start off with Liverpool versus Norwich City at the Anfield. That's an eight o'clock kickoff. Bit of Friday night football. Lads, uh, starting with you, Alavi, what's your feeling on Friday night football? I'm not really a fan, but in the instance well, of the we... first game of the season, I don't mind. Yeah, we have this argument. So, through the season that I like it and you don't, but that's probably because you go out and I don't. I, I actually, yeah, maybe. <laughs> um, I actually quite like it. However, I'm the opposite to you in the sense that I don't really like it for the first game of the season. I got used to that sort of 12 o'clock, 12.30 first day on a Saturday, but it is what it is. Don't, but don't they do this? Like They go through uh, like three or four Friday night footballs to begin with and then they they sort of tater off, tap tater down towards the end of the season, don't they? Like, don't really see him, and it just ends up being Saturday, Sunday, and Monday. But um, ah, it's not the best game to begin with, is it? I probably wouldn't mind Friday night football if they were bigger games. I feel like all the Friday night footballs are kind of like second-rate games. Dan, what's your thoughts on Friday night football? Yeah, it's the same as Monday night football. So I'll watch any shit game on a Sunday. I don't care. I'll watch it. But if I'm going to give up a, a school night, if you like, or like a Friday night or a Monday night, then I want to see a good game with, with like, you know, two good teams. So, you know, it depends who's playing. I like the idea of it, but then when I go to the ground, getting there and back on a Friday is a bit of a pain. But, but yeah. it's another, it's another night, you know, it's another night to watch football, you know, at the end of the I day. I guess, yeah. how's not, really, what's not to really like? simply, you've got to think, you know, from a police perspective, like Liverpool obviously only have a safe certain amount of police and officials and whatever else. You can't then ha be having a game, you know, you can't have Liverpool Man United on a Friday night and then that spills over into Liverpool. Do you know what I mean? So there's a reason that there aren't too many massive games on a Friday night. There's a reason that the North London derby isn't at 5.30 on a Saturday. Do you know what I mean? Like, there are reasons for this. Yeah, but People don't I always don't get know. it. Like, it's not just TV. Like, there's actual peripheral reasons to do with like safety and everything else that as to why certain games are at certain times oh yeah anyway. of course of course that goes without saying i mean right let's look at the rest of the fixtures uh west ham man city 12 30 that could be a decent game dan what do you think i mean west ham united have made some impressive signings got on out uh, out the door uh have improved the team you've got to say they've signed a striker a good midfield player too um and man city you know, I'm not saying that Man City are no good or they're not going to walk the league again, but it's the first game of the season and anything can happen, can't it? Yeah, I think um, for the bigger sides, I don't know if you feel, how you feel about this, but I think that 12 <laughs> Well, he wouldn't know. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, that 12.30 that kickoff slot, the 12.30 time, it, it, it's always a potential banana skin. And then you throw in the first game of the season as well, where we're not sure... You know, we're not sure everyone's going to settle in. I know they had the community shield um, last week. But the 12.30 is always a bit of a banana skin for me where, you know, often you see big sides getting caught cold or whatever. So, you know, I think it's a, it's a tough game. West Ham have a reasonable home record. They, they got some, you know, they picked up some big points last year away from home as well. So I think they could they could cause some trouble. But again, with Manchester City, you know, it's 
it's all about them and how they turn up. And if they turn up, they'll 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 win. It's it's boringly simple as that, unfortunately. Yeah, I it's, mean, it's really nice as well, isn't it, for to put that game for the um, city fans like start their trip at like seven a.m. on a Saturday again, like really yeah. well thought out by the Premier League that game. Yeah, but that, that's just the way it is now. Now, and for the for the remainder of the season, actually, this is only episode two of our Premier League show. But as we go on on the season, every time Alavi makes a joke, we will show you this on the screen. <laughs> oh, is that <laughs> Arsenal's defensive signings? <laughs> um, but Better yeah, I mean, <laughs> let's go uh, on to the rest of the games. Uh, that is probably though on the Saturday. I would say the standout fixture. I would say. Uh, West Ham, Man City. You got Burnley, mm. Southampton, Bournemouth, Sheffield United. Uh, always interesting to see how the newbies get on. Of course, Watford, Brighton, uh, Crystal Palace, Everton at Selhurst Park might be all right. Spurs, Villa. Expect them to walk out, uh, walk that. Sunday will be really interesting. Uh, Manchester United take on Chelsea. That is the big Super Sunday clash. Two uh, young managers, of course, uh, both whom uh, I don't particularly rate, but we'll have to see how they get on. Of course. Um, but let, let's talk about, let's start talking about Manchester United because, um, you know, before we come onto the Community Shield, Manchester United have completed the signing of Harry Maguire. We were speaking about it last week. Um, we spoke about it and we said that we felt it was a lot of money, perhaps too much. The deal's done now. Dan, I'm pinching myself. Can you believe that Manchester United have spent 80 million on Harry Maguire? No, not really. Not really. I just, I think. It... It reeks to me of that was the best they could get, and Leicester pulled their pants down because of it. If that makes sense, like I can't believe he was their sole target. They must have been looking abroad for like some of the better talents um, in Europe. I'm not saying he's a bad defender. I'm not saying he's a bad signing, but it feels an awful lot of money. Money. I don't even think I'm being a snob, like because it's Harry Maguire and not a fancy Spanish ball player. It's not even that. I just don't think. It's £80 million worth of talent there. I don't think he's going to improve the side by £80 million. So, you know, for for United signings to be a success this season, it has to be Champions League qualification. And do I look at Harry Maguire and think, well, he's going to be the difference between getting there and not? Absolutely not. So I think they've they've had their pants pulled down over the price a little bit. Um, but then again, it's the same. You look at Spurs and Arsenal. It's easy to look at other clubs and say, well, you know, look how much money they've spent. And then at the same token, you look at our own chairmen and say, well, why don't they just pay the price? Well, Man United have asked for the price. They've been given the price and they've, they've brought their man in. But, you know, yeah. it's... it's um, I think um, De Cosimo was on last week, made the best point, and he compares it to to the market. So what he's basically saying is he doesn't mind... Oh, like Arsenal. a winner, yeah. Yeah, so he doesn't mind. Yeah. So Arsenal pays £75 million for Pepe, which on face value seems a lot of money as well for a relatively unproven player at a top level but compared to Neymar who's 200 million it's okay mm. but for Harry Maguire to be setting the bench to be setting the bar for the cost of centre-half that doesn't sit right with him and I think it's a really good point yeah and I think yeah. Van Dijk went for what last season 75 76 something like that yeah but Virgil van Dijk is Virgil van Dijk I mean yeah, I was yeah, having this debate I mean with someone earlier though. Season, that was a season ago right so let's just say inflation and whatever you're basically yeah. saying they're worth about the same mm. that's outrageous yeah, it is, isn't it? Right, let's come. <laughs> let's come on to the community shield. Um, it was a decent game for a community mm. shield. They're not normally um, particularly exciting, but two footballing sides, two sides that like to attack. Uh, Liverpool won, Manchester City won. Is how it finished. Of course, Manchester City went on to win it on penalties. Uh, Sterling opened the scoring. Um, bit of a scrappy goal, wasn't it, from Manchester City? But then Joel Matip. Uh, leveled things with around about 13 minutes to play and took it to penalties. Where do you guys stand on the community shield? Because I actually enjoy it when my team's involved in it. I probably don't so much when it's somebody else, but I thought that this particular game, this particular community shield clash was actually very entertaining. But is that just because of the two teams that were involved, Alavi? Yeah, I think, I think so. I mean, put it this way, I was watching a Grand Prix and it took a while to sort of flick over when it finished. So it's not something that I massively look forward to. But I do think that because of the two teams involved and that they were a point apart last season, it did make it um, quite an interesting spectacle. We got to see some new signings. Um, if I could probably pick one of each, one player from each team, 
I, I look at Gomez. I know he's not a new signing, but I think him coming back from injury, I think he'll almost be like a new signing with the way Liverpool play with their sort of high line. You need, and I know you mentioned Matip as the goal scorer, but I, I do think you need that mobility and that speed. Um, and I can see, you know, Gomez getting a lot of a, a lot of credit this season, and and it will be shared between him and Van Dijk. So I don't think Liverpool's fullbacks are quite up to what they usually are, and that's just classic pre-season. I mean, Kevin De Bruyne came out with a quote today, which I thought was brilliant. He said pre-season is about commercialisation and not training. I thought that was a really honest um, assessment of 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 pre-season. Um, so yeah, I really I rate Gomez, and I'm looking forward to see see how he develops from City. I thought I, I don't know what you guys thought of Rodri. I don't know how how much you rate him. I can't. So I've seen loads of him outside of um, or of what of, of La Liga, but um, he holds the ball really well. He he does what in Spain they call La Pausa, which is a um, it's essentially like this strategic tool that um, you, you can you 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 essentially paint that picture paint that picture in your head, right? So you um, you you hold the hold the ball. You wait for the landscape to change, and instead of choosing to do something right there and then, you wait and you create a new option, or you maybe wait for a new option to arrive. And it, I was reading all about it, this whole Lapulza thing, which obviously the name, the names in the detail, and the details in the name. <laughs> so the no, wait, wait, wait. So it's a wait. Um, it's, a, it's a fancy thing. name. It's a fancy name. Um, but for um, put your little. Um, what do you call it? tumbleweed thing but um Iniesta's was apparently the architect of it so you could see why Pep's gone for that sort of player but you just you know you draw a defensive player out of shape you wait for them to go and um to, to get close and as soon as they do little turn shield the ball and then go and um it's just like quite an interesting philosophy um that I was reading about a few days ago and he sort of fits that mold so of Pep Guardiola can I just clarify so, can I just clarify yeah, good signing it- but I don't know, I'm not too impressed with Zinchenko to be honest, and that could be their that could be their weak link, maybe. I'm not sure. What do you guys think? Go on then. Can I just clarify? La Pausa, is that is that a fancy name for controlling and passing the football? Because the Spanish think they because inv- the point. Spanish think they invented everything. Can uh, Alavi can Alavi, can you not hear Dan? No, yeah, that's what I mean. He's making a good point by being silent. Oh, I can hear him. Oh right, fair enough. Just I can hear him loud and clear. It's just you, mate. Oh, all right, cool. Um, okay, right. so well, is it is it a fancy? <laughs> is it a fancy? Is it a fancy like words that the Spanish that the Spanish invented for basically controlling the passing of football? Because that's how it seems to be described. Because the Spanish think they invented everything because they've been good for about five years. When yeah. historically they're the most underachieving nation, and even now, like you know, they had their four good years and they flop at every international tournament, but now <laughs> they have to create words for a basic five-yard pass. They are the most idiotic footballing race, I think, in the whole world. Oh, Jesus. Um, anyway. Leave, Dan, leave, Dan leave. offending all our Spanish listeners there. Uh, Alavi, maybe leave the stream and come back in if you can't hear Dan. I don't know what's going on there. Um, but when you do, Paul Friedman says, can you do that thing with your hand again, Simon? That was incredible. I was actually waiting for you to stop talking so that I could comment on it. But Paul beat me to it. Uh, big shout out to Paul, to Brandon, to Russell, the rest of the guys uh, watching live in the chat at the moment. Now, I'm going to talk about uh, something Arsenal related because there is something that's come up today. Um, lots of Arsenal fans are talking about him. Um, and apparently, Arsenal have had a bid rejected uh, for Upa Mancano, uh, the RB Leipzig centre back. Apparently, uh, it's around about 55 million uh, that Arsenal have bid for. Uh, for this player. Now, let me share the screen with you guys so you can see uh, what it is that we're looking at. Uh, Bear with me one second. Let's add the screen. Like I said, just still getting used to this new software. Uh, Here we go. So breaking news uh, this evening or or late this afternoon, it came out. RB Leipzig have turned down a £55 million offer from Arsenal for Upamecano. And they say that they want closer to £70 Uh, to consider letting the player go. Now, Upamakano is a player with, you know, uh, a lot of potential. Lots of people have been talking about him um, and about sort of his progress. It seems like an awful lot of money and it seems like Arsenal have completely pulled the wool over everybody's eyes with this £45 million transfer budget. But I guess 
what I want to say is that on the one hand, you'd say, well, we only had 40 odd million to spend. But at the end of the day, they're doing structured deals, which is obviously allowing them to to complete deals worth a, a lot more. Um, Alavi, it would be silly for Arsenal uh, to go to the end of this transfer window without having strengthened defensively, wouldn't it? And you're not even an Arsenal fan. No, yeah. I mean, you saw that the other um, you saw that the other day against against Barcelona, and um, yeah, like you said, Carabag FC. <laughs> but all those new players are going to be going there, and they're not exactly going to be frightened of uh, they're not going to be worried about Arsenal's defence, are they? They uh, they do need to they do need to strengthen. I do think Mustafi's sort of the full guy at the moment. I think that Arsenal fans berate him when maybe he's not always the one to blame. He's not. Okay, he might be the weakest link, but there are other weak links there. In terms of signing a defender, you you might get into the Harry Maguire situation where, and I've got it on, um, you know, on on well, Paris. It's good, well known apparently that the Harry Maguire negotiations started at something like forty million, and Leicester said no eighty, and Man United went fifty, and they went at eighty. Do you know what I mean? So like, the, if a club doesn't want to let a player go below a certain amount. They'll just hold. They know that you're going to get desperate. So I think that's what's happening here. Uh, they just know that you're going to pay. Or I say you. They know that Arsenal are going to pay the amount when it finally gets to the or close to the amount that they want. I think it happened with Maguire. I think it's going to probably happen here. And like Dan said earlier in the show, like this is just football. You just end up overpaying at the moment for a player that you really need in a particular position. Yeah, Dan, you're you're a Spurs man. Um... We are streaming on the Chronicles of Aguna channel two this evening. You might be in for some abuse. Um, but what I want to ask you is, if Arsenal do go and get a centre-back and they've signed Pepe and it's Unai Emery's second season, do you feel like Arsenal would be a danger to Spurs next season? I, I think they're a danger anyway. Mm-hmm. Like They're a danger anyway. I read an article the other day that said, well, can Arsenal now be top four contenders? Well, they're top four contenders anyway. I read an article on the same day that said, can Spurs challenge for a trophy? We challenge for trophies anyway. So I want to get away from, you know, the sensationalised media sort of shit that says, well, can Arsenal do this? Can Arsenal do that? They're going to be top four challengers, irrespective of if they sign a centre-half or not. Um, what is going to make the difference? At the end of the season, you're going to have two teams who run away. They'll probably be Man City and Liverpool. And between third and sixth place, there's going to be five points, maybe six. If one team goes on like a European run, they might drop a few points near the end or, or whatever it may be. So I think Arsenal could challenge anyway. Um, the difference the difference for Arsenal, why the centre-half is so big um, for them, is because it's, it's just clear that the forwards have lost faith in what's behind them. So, you know, you can see, you sort of judge your team. I judge your team's mental spirit and togetherness at the centre circle when you've just conceded a goal and you'll regularly have seen last season like Aubameyang with his head down with his hand on his hips like sulking thinking well what have I got to do with these clowns behind me um, and that that's the sort of that's the sort of behaviour that sort of needs to be shifted out of Arsenal um, and other teams have been there in the past with centre-halves but there's only so many games that forwards can get you out of the shit um, you look at you know a lot of sides who who, who come up um from the championship, you know, you get one every couple of years, you come up and they play brilliant football um, and they take the Premier League by storm for a few months and, you know, they, they, they pass their way, they play attacking, aggressive style, they pick up a load of points and the second half of the season, slowly but surely, the form tails off. I'm not putting Arsenal in that category, obviously, but, but the point still stands where there's only so long that having forwards getting you out of the shit works and there's the games where you go to tough places like Brighton away and places like that in the old days, it was Blackburn, Bolton, where Arsenal typically struggled. And you need big, solid centre halves to get you out of the to get you out of the mess. And they need to have a little bit of football ability as well. So, um, not the, the 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 guys every game. I'm not talking about that standard, but the one player in the past you've had is Koscielny, You know who can mm. put in a shift. He's got a bit of ability. He doesn't want to play anymore. And the reason he doesn't want to play anymore, in my opinion, is he's just had enough of what's being put next to him. Um, I know he's 36 past his best, but it'd be a massive deal for Arsenal if they could put the cherry on the top of what's been a good transfer window and fill in the piece, the, the player they need the most to, to, to finish their side off. 
I think um, like also they're not quite good enough to have that mentality that City have or that Barca used to have. They're not quite good enough to have the mentality of, oh, we'll let you score two because we, we're good enough to get three or four. Yeah, Do you know what I mean? Di- like, they're not yeah, it's a different level. level I mean, it's a different level. You, you like, you know, take Man City aside. You know, you don't see... You don't see too many times in the last five years where Premier League sides have rolled someone over six, seven, two. Like you get them score lines regularly in the league. So it's it's a different kettle of fish. I think um, you know, you look at Liverpool and what they did to their side last year. I know Van Dijk was already in, but the bit they needed the most was a goalkeeper. They brought him in. They paid they paid a lot of money for Allison. They paid over the odds. People were saying last year, well, having similar conversations around about Maguire now. Well, look how much they paid for him. Ha ha ha. But. The first thing you need to do in every transfer window is strengthen your weakest area. Um, so if Arsenal get to the end of the window and they haven't done that, there will be some Arsenal fans who are disappointed. And, and you know, that doesn't mean you shouldn't be adding the players you've had because they, they, they're obviously, there's some good players who've gone in there. Um, and the issue is as well with Arsenal, again, Tottenham um, and a couple of other clubs in the past, when it stands out like a sore thumb, what you need, the price just goes up and up and up because the other clubs can see you coming. And um, um, however you are, I'm going to do an Aladdy now and can't even pronounce the fella's name, but the, the centre half from Red, Red Bull Leipzig, whether the bid is a genuine one or not, you know, you're not telling me that's a £55 million player. There's no way. I guess, Harry, a question for you as an mm. Arsenal fan, because this is something I would wonder. Every time one of these new players sign, I guess you're happy because they're quality players and you would never turn them down based on their own merit. But every time there's talk about them, is a tiny bit of you not thinking, hmm, is this the money that we could have spent? You know, because it's not a finite, sorry, it is ultimately a finite resource, right? So is there not a bit of you that sort of thinks to yourself, do you know what, we could have spent that on two centre-halves? Or I really hope that's as well as and not instead of a high-quality centre-half. Absolutely. Absolutely. Of course it is. Because we, our, Arsenal's problems are obvious. They're clear as day. Everybody knows that Arsenal can't defend. I've said it over and over again. Arsenal scored more goals than Spurs last season, scored more goals than Chelsea last season. That is not our problem. We've got two, now three top quality forwards at the club. We've got Mesa Ozil. We've got talent. It's the other end of the pitch that we've got real problems. Can, can you tell us the two and three quality players now? Pardon? Can you tell us who the two and three quality players are now? Sorry, you said Ozil. You said Ozil, and then you didn't mention the players. Well, we've got Ozil, Aubameyang, Lacazette. We've got you know Pepe now. We've got, we've got talent. Sabios. We've got talent, man. We've got straight talent. in my fantasy team. That it's, kid. it's uh, it, you shouldn't because Emery will probably give him a four month blending in period like he always fucking does. <laughs> um, <laughs> Dan started a trend. Paul Friedman, we want the cherry on top. That's our new chant. What's this hand yeah. thing? Is that it? I don't get when what it you were, When you were trying to talk about that Spanish gibberish that La you weren't even, weren't even saying properly because you never do. Because, you know, for someone who comes uh, from two <laughs> different foreign backgrounds, <laughs> I've never met anyone so English in his pronunciation <laughs> of foreign words. But anyway, um, you was doing all this business. I don't know what you were yeah, saying. Yeah, because that's, that's, that's my Spanish. That's you was doing all that. You talk. was in your head like this, like you was avoiding a punch. And um, <laughs> I was actually going to comment on it and then the gentleman put it in the comments. I couldn't think talk. of a... I was trying to think of a word, landscape. Like, but um, yeah, that was it. Anyway, it's by the way. <laughs> Thanks a lot. <laughs> <laughs> You know, you put in that um, tumbleweed, that doesn't help like the 99% of people that listen to this on like the tube and stuff, but it's funny anyway. They'll, 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 uh, they'll know when it's coming, trust me. Uh, <laughs> right, let's go back to the Premier League. This is a Premier League show. We did jump onto Arsenal a little bit there because it is uh, interesting news this evening, big news. And uh, lots of people are watching us live on the Chronicles of Aguna at the minute. So uh, it was only right to cover it. Uh, but in terms of the Premier League this season, and I know it's really difficult to make predictions, but when you look at the Premier League, is there a chance, Dan, that anybody else can break into the top six? And if so, who do you think are the sides that will pose the biggest threat? Leicester, um, yeah. to be honest. I'm not having, I'm not having Wolves. I think Everton have made the signing of the summer, in my opinion, pound for pound, um, in Moisey Keane. But um, I don't think there's enough about the rest of their squad to challenge. So it's only Leicester. And then, as I say, it's only Leicester. They've sold their second best player for um, for £80 million. So, you know, I've got a lot of um, 
a lot of time for Brendan Rodgers' ability to coach footballers, uh, the style he plays. Um, I don't know what they're going to do with the money, whether, you know, Lewis Dunk is an adequate replacement. But Leicester are the only ones who could really challenge. Um, but then, you know, to break in, they're still going to need someone like United, Tottenham, Arsenal um, or Chelsea to have a stinker as well. You know, they're not going to get that many more. You know, what did Manchester United finish sixth last season, didn't they? You know, are Leicester going to get more points than that? It's a big ask. You know, it, it, it's a big ask. That's enough points to have finished, like, you know, second in you know, a few seasons ago. So I think Leicester will be the best of the rest. I think they've got, you know, the most the most balance in their squad. But even then, they're still selling their best players to the team who have finished sixth last season. So that's what we're dealing with. Yeah, You know, they're trying to overtake Manchester United. They're the sixth best team, as things stand. And they've sold their best defender to Manchester United. So to actually haul them over over the course of 38 games, I think it's going to be tough. But they're, they're the only realistic challenges for me. Also, what's interesting yeah. as well, just I just noticed this while Dan was talking. If you look on the screen, if you look when I've typed in Premier League fixtures, you see related people there. Some great players, Cristiano Ronaldo, Alan Shearer, Sergio Aguero, one of the league's greatest ever managers, Jose Mourinho. <laughs> what the fuck is Gareth Barry doing there? Boy, the pre- Premier League leading appearance maker. Oh, we had a whole Christ. section on him last season. Um, oh, dear. I think like, I, was fuming, I could break I down Dan's points and agree with half of them and disagree with half of them. Uh, did Gorman. Leicester make Garman? Did Leicester make pound for pound the best? Sorry, did Everton make pound for pound the best signing? No, probably not. I'd say Ayesha Perez for thirty million. I think that's the best signing of it. If you said to me you sell Harry Maguire and you get um, Perez, uh, you get the. I know they had Yoris Tillman already from Monaco, but they've signed him right permanently rather than having him on loan. You get him, and then you'll probably spend, say, fifteen twenty million on someone like maybe the Celtic centre back, maybe Nathan Akin, maybe is it Azure the, the Celtic centre back, someone like him. So if you replace Harry Maguire, those three players, right? For me, um, Aze Perez is the best best player. Well, my, he's my favourite player outside the top six. Put it that way. I think he's intelligent. Really? He's, yeah, I think he's my favourite. He's my favourite player. I think, all right, everyone says Wilfred Zaha is the best player outside. I'd the say top Jamie six, Vardy's better than Aze Perez as well. Okay, I think Jamie Vardy is massively underrated. And, but he's another example of why... and probably a point that I agree with Dan yeah Leicester will push I actually think Leicester will push for top six I think they'll sort of they'll they'll get there and thereabouts and then at at about February March they'll they'll tail away but um I think Leicester will be the the best of the rest I don't think I can't see anyone else like Everton or Everton Awards but do you not think all you know selling Maguire and getting all that that and you got what Howard's Perez 26 Howard's your retainer is at what 22, 23. If they get a decent centre, Nathan Ake has been linked from Bournemouth. He's not a bad player to replace Harry Maguire. So I'd say I'd say that somebody like Richarlison, I'd I'd prefer over uh, Iosi Perez to be honest. Uh, I, I really like I think I don't think he's. Um, I, he came out today and he said why he left. He left Newcastle because he didn't see them going anywhere, and I think this is going to be his platform. He's honestly, he's the sort of player, right? That. In two years, it might go for eighty million somewhere after a, a season, a good season or two. Would you not have taken him on the bench at Arsenal? Would you not have taken him on the bench at Spurs? Yeah, but you've answered the question, haven't you? On the bench. Yeah, yeah. But we're talking about Leicester talking, overhauling, overhauling yeah. one of these teams. No, I'm talking, talking about him being. I'm, yeah, he's I'm all right. Talking I about have, him yeah. being the best player, one of the best players. Yeah, so I, I would have taken him on outside the top six. So there's not that many that you would have as a backup in the Premier League to Harry Kane outside the. top Name yeah, no, I, one I or two other strikers that you would no, have as backup to Harry Kane. Moji Kidd. <sighs> Maybe. Yeah, but no, we'll I, I agree I agree with you in that. I, I would I would have him as backup. You know, he's a decent player, he's a decent signing. And, the, no and doubt the, about that. the other one I disagree with you on is Man United being the sixth best hit. I, could, they I actually think it. Yeah, they did. Cut this season, I actually think Arsenal and Chelsea will miss out. Yeah, because of the transfer ban, maybe. Mm. I think Chelsea will miss out because of transfer ban. Do you not I think, think Arsenal that... miss out because they'll buy five more strikers and forget that none of them can defend the corner? But I mean, if we're going round top fours, that's just you let's have to give let's yours as let's well. talk about no, let, let's talk about Frank Lampard for a minute, okay? Because okay. everybody seems to be licking Frank Lampard's ass. You know, he, oh, he's a fantastic manager. Oh, he's got the job of his dreams. Blah blah blah. The fact is, Frank Lampard didn't do anything with Derby that they haven't been doing for the last 
10 years. They've been finishing in and around fifth and sixth in the playoff positions and missing out. They're like That is what Derby do. So he hasn't done an outstanding job at Derby. This job has come along now. He's taken it. I personally think it's too early. I understand why he's taken it. It is his dream job. It'd be yeah. very hard to say no to. But why are people convinced that even with the fact that Eden Hazard is gone, that, you know, Chelsea can't bring anybody in. Why are people still convinced that Frank Lampard is the man to get them in the top four? Because, Alavi, you said that Arsenal and Chelsea will miss out. Uh, I agree with you that Chelsea will miss out. I think it's between Arsenal and United for that fourth spot. Yeah, I agree. I agree. But, Dan, why are people so you know, confident that Frank Lampard can do it. Have you seen anything to suggest that he is a top manager and that this job is, is right for him? No, um, I've seen enough of, I've seen enough of the way he played football and the way he speaks about football to know that I'm dealing with someone who is going to be able to tactically and sensibly set up a side and making game changes. So I think we're dealing with someone intelligent enough to make good decisions, right? So when I look at, you know, Steven Gerrard and Frank Lampard, and you say to me, tell me who the better manager is going to be, I'll pick Frank Lampard. And that's just because something about the type of player he was, you know, he he played football like with his, with his brain. Do you, do you know what I'm saying? Right? So there's something about Frank Lampard that, that says to me, he, he has the attributes, you know, he's bred to be a good football manager. So there's that bit. Um, in terms of the, what he did at Derby, I agree with you completely. You know, he didn't do anything that Derby haven't done before. Managers, you know, there's three or four managers in the last four or five years who have gone to Derby and done the same thing. So I think his achievements are being over-exaggerated. And a lot of that is the media, you know, they say things enough times, it starts sticking in people's heads who aren't actually watching what's going on. With Chelsea and the fact it's Chelsea, there's going to be, you know, there's going to be the little bit like the start when you're a player who has such an attachment with a club, it tends to start well. You've only got to look at Oli Gunnar first first 10 games at Man United, followed by his second 10. His first 10 games, it was like, you know, the prodigal son's returned and it's going to be, you know, all the lads together and we're going to, you know, we're going to have a nice, happy, harmonious time and we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna win football matches like using team spirit. After a while, that wears off. And that's where the problem with Frank Lampard's going to come. If you look at Harry Redknapp, Harry Redknapp was a terrible, terrible football manager. Absolutely horrendous. But he come into Tottenham and very quickly he gets a load of results. And I think there's a chance that Frank Lampard might achieve that because of the circumstances. Sooner or later, I think it's going to wear off at Chelsea. And then when that starts to wear off, he's going to want to bring in his own players in January. And then he's going to look and realise he's got a transfer ban. And I think he's going to struggle. Then what happens after that? And that's the problem at Chelsea. You don't know what's going to happen after that. History tells us that after a season, a season and a half, you're gone. Why does Frank Lampard think he's going to get that much time? Because actually legends of the club have been involved at the club in the past and been binned off the same way. So Mourinho went back to the club, a legend, still got dismissed. Di Matteo won a Champions League. He used to play for the club. He was gone for, he was gone four months after winning it. So I think Frank Lampard rather naively thinks that his history is going to get him out of trouble and buy him some more time. I'm not sure it is. Yeah, I, I yeah, agree I, with every I'll word just check that. the odds. Uh, and I'll just check the odds really quickly. And um, it's funny, they've all got Man City, obviously, Liverpool, and Spurs are like this cemented third place. And it's this toss-up for fourth, depending on which sort of <laughs> betting company you go with. So it's quite interesting, seeing as in people saying Spurs haven't had that great uh, transfer window. Um, that they're actually Vicky's <clears throat> favourite to finish behind what is now apparently a top two, um, especially if they go and lose, lose who I've always thought was their best player. Um, so that's quite interesting. That I didn't, I didn't know they were, they were that firmly cemented as third, in, and, and the bookies don't often get it wrong. They've got City odds on, and I think we all think City will win the league again as well. So let's see. What about the teams for the drop? Because, you know, I know it's, again, difficult to predict and we're not going to hang anybody if they get it wrong. But uh, at this stage, Dan, uh, who do you think are the teams that need to w look over their shoulders and watch their backs? I think, um, I mean, Sheffield United don't strike me as being equipped in any way whatsoever to survive. Um, so I I'd write Sheffield United off straight away. 
Um, Aston Villa have had a good go um, in the transfer market, and I think they, they might be all right. They're bought in. I mean, it doesn't always work. You look at Fulham, it didn't work out for them, but Aston Villa are a massive club. They've bought in some you know, some good players. That the, the new manager seems to get the club, and I think you know they might have half a chance. But Sheffield United, definitely. Um, Norwich, you know, how how good is this striker? You know, he's been banging in goals in the Championship, left, right, and centre. The Premier League is a different a different kettle of fish, and you know, I think I think they might struggle. And actually, I think I'm gonna say something really controversial now, and I think Bournemouth this year. Oof. I th- I'm going to go for an outsider. I always pick one outsider, and I'm going to say yeah. Bournemouth. This I say Bournemouth this year are going to go very, very close to the drop. So, what's your actual three? Because you've named eight teams so far. Eleven teams I've picked. <laughs> three of them. So I will say Sheffield United. I said Sheffield United, didn't I? Sheffield United, Norwich, and Bournemouth. They're going to be my three teams. All right, I'll go Sheffield United, Norwich, and I'll throw one spanner in the works. I was going to. Go Brighton, but I'm going to go Burnley. I thought about Burnley. Burnley. I thought and about I'll tell Burnley, you why. But I'm going to go I've Brighton. Got a reason, and it's yes. It, oh, I was thinking of switching out Brighton for Norwich, but I am just going to go Brighton based on the fact that I think they've got one more season, especially if they can keep on hold to Lewis Dunk. I think they've got one more season on them. The reason I'm going Burnley is just because I think you know what Dan was saying earlier about you know. After a while, you know, Arsenal go to Bolton and Blackburn and whatever these teams were in the past and they work you out. I just think that this Burnley thing is eventually going to wear off. I just think it's got a lifeline. And I just, I can see it just not working after a certain amount of time. Um, so I, I just think Burnley, like, they're just quiet, aren't they, in the transfer market? Um, are we just picking Villa based on the fact that they've got a couple of players that we know quite well and they've got a bigger stadium and they're a bigger club? That's the other that's the other danger. And I don't know. Do <sighs> What about oh, Newcastle? What about yeah, Newcastle? The the so that's the other one. That's the other one. So so if you look at that so the odds on favourite are um Sheffield United, Norwich, um, Brighton, and then I think it is actually Newcastle before and before like Burnley and that lot. So it's, a, it's an interesting one, Newcastle. Um, but I'll give Bruce the benefit of that this season. What about the first manager that we think is going to be uh, giving his marching orders? Who, who do you think will be the first to get the chop? I called this one right last season, guys. I've got to say. Well, let's, let's get something right. With, uh, yeah, I did. Uh, Dan, the first manager, the first managerial casualty, I should say. So, so I would say, I'll say this, right? I would have a pound... I'd have a fiver. Have a fiver on Pochettino just in case he walks, right? Just in case. Oh, it's only... Hold on, thing... hold on. Is it leaving or getting sacked, Harry? It's the same. It pays out. It pays out. So if you're looking at a sack race bet, it's the first manager to leave his post. So think of the things you waste a fiver on. If Spurs don't sign anyone on Thursday and Poch throws a wobbly, he could walk or Daniel Levy could say, do you know what, off you go. So if the odds are about 40 to 1, I chuck a fiver on that just for a laugh. You might see it again, but... Hey ho. Um, and then in terms of managers to get the sack, um Joe you know what it's quite it's quite a tough one this year because you know you want to pick someone who plays rubbish football when the fans get annoyed, but the first name that springs to your mind is Sean Dyche, but actually Burnley love that yeah. shit, don't they? Yeah. They're all over it. Um so let's pick let's pick someone like I'm gonna say Roy Hodgson. So yeah, that's Ooh. an interesting one. Or Steve Bruce. Do you not think, you know, we might get the Fulham syndrome of like a team that comes up, plays like, quite well, and then, and then like Norwich, and then I think I'll go for Norwich. And then as soon as, as soon as things aren't quite go well, they hit the panic button, they set the manager. Do you know what I mean? A lot of teams do that now. They, they just get nervous halfway through a season, and then they just hit the panic button, sack them. What are the odds? Yeah. What, are the, what are the odds? Have you got the odds in front of you? Can we get the odds on the fancy little screen? We Steve can Bruce find them. We can Steve find Bruce, them. Steve Bruce is definitely first. Uh, do, you know, do, you know what, do you know who do I'm going to go Solskjaer, for? Solskjaer's, Solskjaer's a big people putting money on him at the moment. Uh, yeah. Although if he can get if he can get Ericsson, then that's not too bad because he's he's friends with the isn't the Dutch um, coach Norwegian or something. There's that link there. 
So I'm pretty sure that um, he's confident of getting Ericsson. So I'm going to go with uh, Dean Smith at Aston Villa because they're spending yeah, a lot of money because of the expectation, isn't it? That's not a bad shout. Here we go. Let's let's have a look at the odds. Let's have a look at the odds live on the screen. Next Premier League manager to leave odds: Ole Gunnar Solskjaer six to one, Roy Hodgson six to one. None of us have mentioned Graham Potter eight to one. Uh, Steve Bruce eight to one. Pochettino, Dan, stick a fiver on it, mate. Uh, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. Ten to one's a bit stingy. Right. Ten to Keep... one. Uh, Dean Smith twelve to one. Daniel Farker fourteen to one. Oh, I'm going Silva. that. Daniel fourteen to one. That's the one. That's where you want your money. I tell you what, actually, Marco Silva's not a bad shout. No, 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 no. If Everton don't start, yeah, yeah, yeah. If if Everton don't start well. You know, they keep spending money too. <laughs> this is Hell quite interesting because I checked this last, last week before we went on for Newcastle and Steve Bruce was the favourite. So it's funny how things, it's all, like you said about Villa, it's all about, it's all about expectation, isn't it? Like, could, go on. Could, I just wanted to ask Alavi just a quick question because hmm. he was talking there and I didn't get the opportunity to ask the question until now because we was looking at the odds. But you, me- you mentioned like a Danish, Dutch, Norwegian... Coach, you mentioned a Dutch Norwegian link, and so Eric, isn't Ericsson's yeah. Danish? I'm, I'm, I'm struggling, right? So, I heard that he's gonna try and make he... up some story to get no, around no, no, this no, no, now. No, no. Okay, you okay, got it wrong, so mate. I, Just move on, <laughs> move on. The Dutch national coach, I believe, is Norwegian, yeah. Okay, that if I'm not wrong, if I'm wrong, then fine. But I, from memory. The Danish national coach is Norwegian. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Ericsson is plays for which national country? Denmark. Denmark. Right. Where is Ole Gunnar Solskjaer from? Norway. Right. What? There's the link. And apparently they're close. So that's what I'm saying. Football works in that sort of way. Look at like... Yeah, but what's the link know. to Ericsson? I don't see the link to Ericsson. The head coach of Holland is Ronald Koeman, mate. What are you talking about? He's got blonde hair, but he's not, he's not, a, he's not a Scandi. The head... Coach of Denmark, Harry. You How said many Holland. times? You said Holland. No, I didn't. The head <laughs> coach of Denmark. No, I didn't. Rewind it. We'll the head back. coach of Denmark. Yeah, play that. The head <laughs> coach of Denmark is Norwegian. So the reason I said that is because if Man United can get Ericsson, then I can't see someone. I think they'll be good enough for Ole Gunnar Solskjaer to get a string of results together, get them in the top four, and not get sacked. That was the link. All right, fair so, enough. Yeah. So when you've looked up that the um, the coach the Danish hold on coach, hold on right so the the head coach of Denmark yeah. is Norwegian yeah correct what does that have to do with what we're talking about we're talking about the sack race right <laughs> yeah okay so it's quite simple so we're talking about the sack race one of the potential candidates is Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. The dependency on Ole Gunnar Solskjaer getting sacked is to do with the transfers and his budget and how well his team plays. If he can get a player like Ericsson in, right, that's going to obviously reduce his chances of being sacked. There's a link there in between the Danish national coach, then being friends because they're both Norwegian. It's not that hard. Like, you're a smart person, apparently. So we're having Daniel Farker at 14 to 1. Yeah. <laughs> and that's that. the other one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so so we're saying that Oli Gunnar Solskjaer is going to get Ericsson because I, the coach of Denmark is Norwegian. Because he's got a good relationship with him. I think it will increase his chances, yeah. It's not that hard. Like, it happens in football all the time. Like, okay. you know, when Alex Ferguson's son was um, managing Peterborough and he had, like, 16 Man United kids on loan, like, that does work in football. Very good. <laughs> Yeah, that's what Dan will be looking like when Ericsson goes and plays for Man United. <laughs> yeah, they're the only club I'll have him in a minute, by the looks of it. Quick one, quick one. What well, about got, Ralph Hazen? He's got a year, right? He's got a year what? on his deal, right? So, yeah, either sell him now or let him go for free. What do you yeah. think about Ralph Hazen, who tour? He'd done quite a decent job at Southampton, didn't he? What do you think of him? How will he get on this season? How will the Saints do? That's not bad. They'll be all right when they, they you know, they yeah. They're one of the Shane Long will score like he's averaged two goals a season. Um, and uh, you know, the thing with Southampton, when you're listing teams to go down for some reason, they don't they don't seem to be part of that. No, conversation. Yeah, it's true. Um, 
And I think it's because they've got a couple of good years under their belt in, in recent times and they've got a couple of decent young players in there. Um, they've got some good players, to be fair, in, in the side. So, um, you know, they're not when someone says list relegation candidates, you, you, they, they don't they don't come straight to the forefront of your mind. So for those reasons, you think Hasenhut will be out of the reckoning in a sack race. By the same token, if you're in February and they're 18th, you're not going to fall off your chair, are you? No, no, you wouldn't. No, that's, but, that's the thing. That last debate about the Danish Norwegian, whatever it was, sparked some comments. Um, Russ Morgan has leapt to Alavi's defense. He says, Simon did say Holland. That's uh, my defense. That's what I said. Yeah. Oh, anyway, I, I don't even know. I got so confused. Uh, we chilies for fun, huh? says Simon. <laughs> really thinks that he does. <laughs> Archie says, Levy would bend United over. Uh, Paul says, Dan, you need a refill, mate. <laughs> God bless you. Empty I'll, glass, poor form. I'll put, poor form I'll, put a I'll put a cherry would, on um, top. Put a cherry on top of the next one as well. Look. Would you, Dan? Would you want um, Ericsson? Because obviously, you know the Danish and Norwegian links. Would you want him to go if uh, you could get someone at the cell selling? So um, I heard no. No, you, I mean, the thing is, no, I don't want him to go. You know, he's been our best player for six years. You, you know, anyone who says they want him to go is lying. You know, okay, if you get... But this is the thing, right? So he is not a better player than Cecil. Of course not. Like, Ericsson is far and away the best player, but then there's like peripherals that go around it, right? So he's got a year left, his age. Yeah, does he I want think. To be at club? Do, you want, do you know what I mean? Like, then, <clears> yeah, if you, you factor all, all in... of that up, if you, you had it, from, take a, it. from a business point of view, to make a sensible decision. Exactly. There's another reason I'd want him to go. I would say I wouldn't mind if he went. I'd I'd accept it. It's because actually Tottenham have had the same core team for four or five years, and it needs a refresh. So for mm. that to happen, someone needs to go somewhere. You know, I don't want. It's not going to be Kane. We don't want it to be Ali. Someone somewhere's got to go. Ericsson's been there six, seven years now. It's probably about that sort of time. So, but as a you know, as a fan who has seen what he's done over the last six years, of course I don't want him to go. Or you and, let him go for three in a year. Yeah, I and mean, again, it depends on the asking price, isn't it? If someone's going to pay seventy million, then that's, you know, that, that's great. If someone's going to pay thirty-five million and we can't afford to spend that on anyone decent anyway, then we may as well just keep him for another season. You know, we don't know how he's. It depends how he's going to play, what his attitude's going to be like. This happened with Modric about six years ago, and actually he had a great season. But some players stay, and they're they're a waste of time. It's you know, it's it's an unknown. But pound for pound, you know, nostalgically, player, yeah. yeah. Why would you want? Why would you want? someone to go who's been you know it's been a great player for for six he doesn't he doesn't strike me as someone who would have that that negative attitude no i think he's just a miserable miserable bastard we talk yeah yeah no he is he's a miserable sort of fucker anyway so Mm, yeah but i think people will look at him and he'll give an interview and you know once people have got it in their head they'll say oh ericsson doesn't give a shit ericsson's that's just how he is he just i don't think he's ever smiled in his entire life but you know he's, he's he's been a fantastic footballer since he joined the premier league so if he was to go to another premier league club that would be that would be disappointing. There's no, there's no doubt about that. Mm-hmm. If like he went guys. to Man United, they would be surely. You'd maybe look at them as being real contenders for that third space. Yeah, I mean, I do think he's that. But I see, they keep that, Pogba as well. And yeah, I do think he's that good in terms of you know creating chances um, for, for for someone to tuck away. He's the, he's the best in the business, the very best mm. in the business. So anyone with that in their side. You know, he's got chances. You know, Harry Kane doesn't pick the ball up in the right back slot and then run past every player and score, does he? You know, there's, 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 there's a midfield that contributes to that, and Ericsson has been a massive part of it. Yeah, sorry, absolutely man. right. Uh, Ross Morgan asks, does anyone think Wolves can better last season? I'll have your take on that. Oh, do you know, so when Dan was saying earlier about oh, once in a while you get a team that come up and play, really, my first thought was Wolves. Um, no, I think. I think the Molyneux is going to be... I mean, you'll see, because Arsenal playing was quite early in there. Um, so, uh, they got them relatively early in the, in the season. Um, mm, God, that was such a good question. In a, in a word, no. I don't think that they will certainly play as good a football. I think that they're going to need to um, adapt to the Premier League. I think that teams started to actually get quite, quite scared of them. Um, and then Eventually, teams work them out. You saw that towards the end of last season, like Watford worked them out. Um, so, yeah, no, it's a good question, but um, I'm going to go, no, I don't think. I think that Leicester and Everton have improved 
such that Wolves will finish sort of around 10th. But they're the sort of side you don't want, like, you know, you just don't want to go to on a Monday night. Yeah, they're, they're, they're a good side, Wolves. They're a very, very good side. There's no question about that. But you do wonder whether they've hit their ceiling. Um, yeah. They've done a bit, a bit of good business. I think Patrick Cutrone from Italy is a, a good sign-in. They managed to get Jimenez on a, a permanent deal as well. Um, so, yeah, I mean, they've got the, the structure there. They've got everything in place uh, to do yeah. well. But I think last season they took a few people by surprise. I know they won the championship really convincingly, but it was their first season in the Premier League. And, you know, traditionally the second one it is a lot more difficult. Right. Uh, before we just finish off, we're going to be starting a fantasy football league, um, which I'm going to set up Wednesday. Uh, won't be able to do it tomorrow, uh, but I'll do it on Wednesday. And I'll be putting the code uh, for the league or the, the the details to join the league in the description uh, of the uh, of this podcast when it's ready. And I'll be tweeting it out as well. So if you want to join uh, and put your wits against uh, these two uh, geniuses here, then uh, you know what to do. Uh, Alavi's notoriously bad at fantasy football. Dan, I don't think, can normally be asked to play it. But we're going to make him play this year. Um just for uh, the sake of it. If I take you... Harry, over, how did you do last season? I can't quite remember. I stopped playing after a week. Ah, uh, um, okay. All yeah, right, yeah. I did. Uh, and uh, if we go over to the FPL website where you need to set it up, uh, the scout says Leicester City's new signing uh, is the man to watch this week. Iosi Perez, game week one, ones mm. to watch. He's going on there for six and a half million pounds. Of course, if he does start the season well, bear in mind that his price will go up. Um, so yeah. Also, if you fancy having a cheeky gamble, sign up to loserpool.com, the sponsors uh, of Sofa Sports Media. They sponsor the Chronicles of Aguna, uh, but we said we'd uh, we'd plug it here too. And what they do is they run a really interesting last man standing game. You can sign up for free. The first pool of the season is free. From week to week, you need to pick a team that is going to lose in the Premier League. And if you get it right, you'll progress until it is the last man standing. There is a cash prize of £1,000 available to the winner. It's a really simple concept. All you got to do is uh, jump on there and pick your team from week to week. It's a really good game, really good fun. And you can win a grand for nothing. Can you, can you only pick the same team once? Or could you? Yes. Fear, yeah. yeah, as I say, because obviously yeah. Huddersfield yeah. every week last season. Just have Huddersfield. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You it. can you can only pick the same team once in each pool. So once you've used that team, they're eliminated. You can't use them again. But you can win a grand, and you don't have to put a single penny of your own money in. All you need to do is sign up. Loserpool.com. Uh, so do check it out. I'll leave that in the description too. Right, that brings us to the end of another show. Big thanks to my two panelists, Dan and Simon Alavi. We'll be back. Uh, next week. Um, yeah, uh, we'll be back next week to look back on the uh, opening days or the opening weekend, I should say, of the Premier League season. Uh, until then, take care. This is a Sofa Sports Media production. Follow us on Twitter at Sofa Sports Media. Subscribe to our Premier League show by searching for Sofa Sports Media on Apple Podcasts or wherever it is that you download them from. Join the Sofa Sports Media family to enjoy lots of exclusive content for the 2019-20 season. Sofa Sports Media. Subscribe, enjoy, and join the discussions.